Those last two songs give us a, a great perspective on which to enter the new year. What a great way to, to look at life as we start a new year together. That God is our good, good Father, and He's the God of this city, and there's greater things yet to come. I'm really convinced of both of those things. He is a good, good Father. And there are some great things that are about to happen in our community and in our church. 2019 is going to, you can write this down, say John said it, all right? Hold me to it. Because 2019 is going to be a very good year for our community and our church. You're going to see some tremendous progress being made in business and commerce in the city of West. You're going to see some great progress being made as we see empty lots being filled. We're already starting to see some of that. Some lots that have sat empty for a few years now. There are new houses that are coming in. In the, in the very near future, within this next calendar year, you're going to see a whole lot more land open up and more people are going to be moving in, bringing with them their tax dollars, bringing with them their boosts to the economy, bringing with them their hearts and minds and hands to become a part of the community and help us. You're also going to see in 2019 a huge leap forward for the school district as we are able to demonstrate to all of Texas the progress that, that the district has made and we're going to finally be able to see in clear ways that this is one of the great districts in Central Texas. You're going to see that in 2019. You're going to be able to recognize some tremendous progress and, and steps forward in every area of our community not the least of which is First Baptist Church. We're going to make some tremendous progress as well in some very significant ways. And I, I'm very excited about what is about to take place in the year to come. As we head into 2019, I wanted to announce to you this morning that we are adopting as our theme for 2019 the Year of the Family. We're going to talk a lot about the family. We're going to have a number of events and, and, and resources available to uh, strengthen healthy families and to help unhealthy families. We're going to make a big difference in family life this year. Just very soon, just right off the bat, we're going to start with our mother-son banquet in just a couple of weeks. Then we'll have our marriage retreat then it'll be time for the father-daughter banquet. Uh, before long, we're going to have a class called Parenting in the Pew. This is, uh, instead of a class, this is going to be more like a, um, a study group together. Parenting in the Pew. How do we, as Christian parents and grandparents, how do we raise children in the faith while protecting their uh, their own thought life, while protecting their own individuality, how do we teach them the most important things about who we are as believers in Christ. We're going to look at that together. Sometime during this year, we're going to, we're going to have a, a study group that is made up of dads with daughters. 
because that's a unique relationship and there are some very special things that take place in that relationship. We're going we're gonna to equip dads who have daughters in how important that relationship is and how they can build on that, how they can strengthen uh, their family through that. There's a lot coming up. We're, we'll, our men's conference will return in the fall. Uh, we took a little hiatus. I, um, I won't go into why that was, but it was a good reasons. There were good reasons, and it turned out to be a good pause for us. But that's going to return in the fall. Uh, obviously, we'll have the uh, women's brunch again as we get into the winter time. The women's brunch is a, is a, uh, a huge um, event for our church that reaches many, many uh, women in this area. All of this is going to come together in 2019 as we celebrate the year of the family. And I'm so excited about it. I wanted to share that vision with you as we uh, kick off the new year together. And one of the reasons that, that I think this is so important for us is it actually addresses one of our core values. Those of you who've been around a while uh, may not remember when we first started this, and those of you who are relatively new to our fellowship may not have seen this before, but FBC, our initials, remind us of our core values. FBC remind us of those things that are most important to us. FBC is family-focused, we are Bible-based, and we are Christ-centered. I wanted to remind you of those core values as we start the new year because we are family-focused. We believe that we are a family of brothers and sisters in Christ. But beyond that, we want to help each nuclear family as well to be strong and healthy and, and, and happy. And so it is part of our mission, part of why we exist, to focus on what family is really supposed to be about. So as we enter into this year together, we're going to do so based on our core values. We're going to be family-focused, Bible-based, and Christ-centered. Uh, we're excited about entering into this year as the year of the family. And so this morning I wanted to uh, just kind of introduce to you the, the concept and then share with you some of what we find in Scripture about why this is so important, why the year of the family is going to be so critically important to the life of our church and to your um, uh, nuclear families as we go. And the first thing that I wanted to show you this morning is that family was established by God. Family was established by God. If we look at scriptures, we find that God, God established three institutions to help coordinate and structure human life. We have three institutions that help coordinate and structure human life. And those three institutions were established by God. God established the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the fellowship, uh, the family of God. God established the church as a means of organizing his people into koinonia, which is a word that means fellowship, which means sharing life together. The church was established by God for the purpose of uniting his people together so that they can worship 
and serve as they are led by him to do so. God also established government. If you, if you look through scripture, you'll find in more than one place that we are told that God establishes the government that rules over people, that, that organizes people, that structures human life and provides order and security. So God established the church, he established government, and when we look in scripture, we find out that God established the family first. Family was the first institution that God ever uh, established. And we find that in Genesis chapter two. In Genesis chapter two, God has just looked over his creation. He saw the light and he said, you know what, that's good. He saw the critters in the ocean and he said, that's good. He saw the critters walking around on the ground and he said, that's good. He looked around at the plant life and he said, that's good. Everything he made, he looked at it and he said, that's good. The first time that God said something was not good was in Genesis chapter two at verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. He said, it is not good that man should be alone. So what is he going to do? He says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And as you know, God then, uh, Adam goes to sleep and God takes a rib and from the rib he creates Eve. I heard a preacher recently reminding people that God made man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then he put man to sleep and he took a rib to make woman. And this preacher's emphasis on that was that, that men were made from dirt and women were not made from dirt, so stop letting men treat you like you're dirt. I thought he carried it a little bit too far. But the point is there. Woman came from man, not from the dust of the ground, but woman came from man. Why? Because God looked at man and said, this is not good. We need each other. We were created by an omniscient God. It means he knows everything. We are created by God who knows everything, who knew that the best way to create a human being was to create within that human being a need for other human beings. We were created to depend on one another. We were created to need one another. God established the family on purpose because he wanted us to work together in this life, to live together to walk through this experience together. God intended the family to be the very basic structure of all human civility. In other words, it was the first institution because it was the first one that we needed. It's the basis for all civilized culture. It's the basis for humanity that we're structured into families. Family was established by God. And then as we move forward through Scripture just a little bit, we notice that family is the primary institution for teaching. 
Now be sure you notice that because there are too many folks today who misunderstand this very point and they think the church is here to teach my kids about God and the school is here to teach my kids about everything else. So all I got to do is drop them off at church and drop them off at school and I'm done. I'm a parent. Folks, that is, that is so far away from God's original plan that it's sickening and sad. Let me tell you something that you may not have considered before. I hope you have. Let me tell you this. Your children are learning from someone. Someone is teaching your children how to view the world, how to see themselves, how to understand life. Someone is teaching them that. Is that person you, or are you relegating that to someone on a street corner? Are you relegating that to the kids in class that they're growing up with? Are you leaving that up to the TV? Are you letting the internet? Somebody's teaching your kid and your child is learning. What are they learning and from whom? God tells us very clearly from the very beginning what is most important in life with family as the basis. He then goes on to tell us what's most important. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. We're going to read 4 through 7. In Deuteronomy 6 and 4, he tells us what is most important. Hear, O Israel. That word hear, is, it, it's a command. It means listen up. God says, listen up, guys. I'm about to tell you the most important thing. Don't miss it. Listen up. The word is shema, which, which actually... Now, this whole verse is called Shema, and it is a part of the Jewish prayer every morning and every evening. Why? Because it's that important. They understand this is the important thing in life. Listen up, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The rest of the world surrounding them celebrated and worshiped many gods. He said, there aren't a lot of gods. You don't worship the God of the tree and the God of the rock and the God of the lake. There is one God. The Lord, our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. That sums up your role as the created being to love the Lord your God with every aspect of your being. Later on, the, the uh, legal eagle comes up to Jesus and says, what's the most important verse in the Bible? You know, what's the most important commandment? That's what he says. What's the most important commandment? And what did Jesus re re reply? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Love the Lord your God. That's where it's at. That's the important thing. Now, 
As soon as he reminds them of the important thing, the Shammai, he says, listen up, here's what I want you to get. As soon as he says that, the next verse, he says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They should be a part of you. And then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. He says, this is the most important thing I want you to get, Israel, so you get it, you hear, you listen, get it, and then teach it to your children. I know that in our day of tolerance, in our day of understanding, in our open-mindedness, I know we are encouraged to let our children be themselves and grow up and decide for themselves which way they will go. There is a Hebrew word for that, an ancient Hebrew word that I want you to remember. The idea of allowing your children to be open-minded and become who they are and, and grow and make their own decisions, the Hebrew word is hogwash. It's ridiculous and it's unbiblical, and it's dangerous, and it's foolish, and it's stupid. Do you get my point? The Bible says, here's the important thing. Love God with everything you've got, and start teaching that to your children. And this is not, this is not a, a class. This is not sit down and write notes. This is when you get up in the morning, tell them about God. When you go to bed at night, pray with them, and tell them how much God loves them. When you walk down the street, say, look at that cloud. You know who makes the clouds? Do you know why we have clouds? Because God loves us. When you get up, when you go to bed, when you lay down, when you rise up, when you walk down the street, you're teaching your children about God. Somebody's teaching your kids something. Are you teaching them what God told you to teach them? Because they're learning something. Family is the primary institution for teaching. And then we go a little bit further into Scripture and we discover that family requires commitment. Family requires commitment. I want to share with you a verse that we often see at weddings. And it is a beautiful verse of commitment. In Ruth chapter 1 at verse 16, listen to this and remind, remember the weddings in which you've heard this. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Isn't that a beautiful verse for a wedding? Husband and wife standing up in front of everyone and say, you know what? I'm never going to leave you. Wherever you go, I go. Your people are now my people. Your God is my God. And we're going to be committed and together. And as beautiful as that is, did you know that verse has absolutely nothing to do with marriage? You know who's really saying that? Ruth is saying that to her mother-in-law. Ruth says to her mother-in-law, I'm committed to you. Mother-in-law, where you go, I go. Mother-in-law, your people are my people. It's a tremendous commitment 
And friends, without commitment, the family cannot be strong, healthy, alive. Might even say without commitment, the family cannot be. Years ago, I read a story about a, a man in, in one, of the, uh, one of the Central America countries. He had become estranged from his son. When son was growing up, dad didn't have a whole lot of time. He was gruff. He was very prideful. He didn't connect with his kid. Kid got a little bit older, got in teenage years, rebelled. They went different ways. They had been estranged for years. Later on in life, dad began to regret the choices he had made, the way he had lived his life. He began to miss his son. By now, he had no idea how to reach his son, had no idea where he was, how to get in touch with him. And so the only thing he knew to do was he took out a personal ad in the newspaper. You remember newspapers? They used to have newspapers back. He took a personal ad out in the newspaper. And he said, Dear Jose, I'm sorry. I want to meet you. If you're willing, meet me at the courthouse on Saturday at 2 p.m. Love, Dad. He put that in the paper a couple of days. Dear Jose, I'm sorry, I miss you. If you're willing, meet me. Courthouse steps, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Love, Dad. 2 o'clock on Saturday, Dad got to the courthouse. And on the courthouse steps, there were dozens of Jose's hoping to reconnect with Dad. There are so many families who are hurting. And so much of the time, it's because of the choices we make that we do that to ourselves. There are a lot of Jose's just want to reconnect with mom or dad or brother or sister. The only way that reconnection happens is through a real commitment. And the ironic thing is, if we could have that commitment first, we might not ever have to get to the point where we need the reconciliation. Family requires commitment. And then let me share with you the family issues are not just for adults. The Bible show, shows us that family issues are not just for adults. The Bible addresses a lot of issues for adults. The Bible tells husbands to show your wives love. Wives, show your husbands respect. The Bible teaches us to honor our marriage vows. Has a lot to say about communication. Has a lot to say about how we treat one another within the family structure. The Bible tells parents to teach their children to discipline their children. 
It, it tells parents to protect their children and to raise them in the way they should go. But did you know the Bible also tells children about their responsibilities? It begins very early on with the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I love, I love when this is uh, referred to in Ephesians because in Ephesians, Paul points out that's the only commandment of the Ten Commandments. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There's a promise, a blessing. Honor your father and your mother. Well, how do we do that? Well, it starts with the easiest, most obvious answer, and that's obe obedience. Early on, mom says, clean your room. You clean your room. That's honoring her. As you grow, it becomes more about respect and communication. It becomes more about talking, sharing what's happening in your life, honoring them in a respectful way. Proverbs tells us that we should look at our, at our parents and learn from our parents. Proverbs tells us that we should follow them. Proverbs even tells us that we should work hard to make our parents proud of us. That we should live lives of wisdom so our parents will be proud. The Bible tells us that there are a number of responsibilities for children as well. So the family was established by God. It's the primary institution for teaching. It requires a real commitment, and it doesn't just teach adults how to be married and parenting, but it teaches kids as well how to be children in a healthy family. And so we're going to spend some time over this year unfolding all of that and thinking it through and talking about it. I do think it's important to us as well to remember that God uses family as a picture of his relationship to us. That's how important family is to him. We sing of him as a good, good father. That comes straight out of scripture because it says that when we become Christians, when we become children of God, we get to call him Abba, which means daddy. We're adopted into his family when we trust in Christ. And when we get adopted into his family, we get to call him dad. He uses family to describe our relationship with him. Who is the church in relationship to Jesus Christ? The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. Family. It even says that Jesus is our big brother. If we've come to know Christ and trust in him, we've been adopted into the family, he's our big brother because he was the first. 
Not only is he our big brother, but he allows us to be joint heirs. Only members of the family are heirs. That's how important family is to God. He uses it to describe our relationship to him. And so I want, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for your family. Continue to find ways that you can strengthen your family. And then help us this year as we help other families along the way. Remember each step along the way that the reason it is so important is because he allows us to be in his family.